Uh, I've got a sentence this morning that I, um, I want you to fill in the blank for me, okay? Here's the sentence. It's going to be on the screen. Why don't you fill in the blank for me? I don't what anymore? I don't. So There you go. Somebody got it, right? It didn't even take long, right? I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. You've said this before, haven't you? I don't care anymore. You've said this. You wrote it down. You emailed it. You texted it. You said, I don't care anymore. A lot of times we get this feeling whenever, you know, when it comes to our job, wherever we're working. Sometimes it comes to, comes down to like a team that we're on, or even sometimes it comes down to a serve team. So maybe sometimes it's even come down to, you know, what you do here at church. It it could be with a a co-op, you know, it could be anything. But we've all come to that point where we've said, I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. More because we've all had those those moments where we've you know we start off at that new job or we start off at that new co-op or we start off at that new church or whatever it may be and, and we get in there and we're man we're excited right we're like man the possibilities there's so many opportunities here I'm so excited I could see this happening and that happening and oh man it's just this could be so good I cannot wait to see where this goes. And you get in there and everybody talks to you. It's the honeymoon phase, right? And so everybody talks to you like you're a new person in the family. You know what I mean? You remember when you went and met your, your in-laws or your other family for the first time and they were so kind to you, you know? They were like, oh, what do you do? That's so awesome. Well, welcome. We're so glad you're here. You know, do you like potatoes? I like potatoes. You know, I mean, it's just, everything's just so casual and fun and light. And then it, it gets to where that honeymoon phase wears off, right? I mean, even with family, the honeymoon phase you know, wears off. And with the job, that, 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 that happens too because you get there long enough and you start sharing your opinions. And at first it's like, oh, well, that's, that's such a great suggestion, Carol. I really appreciate that. And then it comes down and you say another idea and you're like, yeah, we're not going to do that, Carol. Right? Then it starts to feel a little different. And then it's like you share another thought, another opinion. And like, Carol, will you just shut up? You know? I mean, they're like, they don't want to listen to it. They don't want anything to do with it. You get shut down. So your ideas start getting shut down. You start to feel underappreciated. You start to feel taken advantage of. You start to realize that there are certain things that you thought were going to happen that are not going to happen. There are even certain things that you thought would be easy to deal with. Like, oh, I have to be on call like every other Saturday? Yeah, okay. Oh, I can do that. I can do it. And then you get into it and you're like, actually, no, that's a deal breaker. I don't want to work Saturdays anymore. Uh, what are you telling me you don't get Martin Luther King Jr. day off? Uh, I thought that was everybody. No, no, okay, uh, what? You know, and just all these things start to become realities and stuff. And the honeymoon phase wears off. And you get to this very frustrated thing. You get to this frustrated point, this frustrated season with your job or with that co-op or with that group or with that church. And you're like, you know what? I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. I'm done. I'm finished. And so what do you do? You start to think about just, I'm, do, I'm just going to put this on autopilot. I'm just checking in and I'm checking out, I'm doing the bare minimum. I don't care. I'm just here to get my paycheck. I'm just here to do my time and I'm going to do my bare minimum. And I tell you what, if they push one more button, I'm out of here. You know, I'll show them. I will quit. Don't challenge me because I'll do it. And we all come to that point where we say that I don't care anymore. 
But here is the truth. The truth is, is you do care. You do. You, you do care. You know how I know you care? Because you're emotional about it. You were so emotional about it that you decided, I don't care anymore. But you do care. Come on, you know you do because you had such high hopes about this job. You were so wanting this to work out. You were so wanting to be on this team. You were so wanting this to be a good thing. And you had so many dreams and you had a vision and you were hopeful. You do care and you wanted to care. The thing is, though, is that enough time goes by and you know, you get told enough and you got to get put down and you're not being promoted and all these promises aren't coming true that you decide, you decide not to care because you just don't know what else to do, right? So what do you do? Because you come to the point, you're like, I'm just so frustrated with this job. I just, I'm so frustrated with the promises not becoming reality. I'm so frustrated with the expectations on me. I'm so frustrated with not being used and being able to influence this. And my, you know, my ideas not be taken seriously. Me not being taken seriously. That I don't know what else to do but to decide not to care anymore. But you're right, Pastor. I, I do. It kind of hurts me a little bit. I do care. I wanted to care. What do you do? Well, there is another option, and that's, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what that other option is, and I totally revamped this entire message because I've gotten so many messages and DMs and emails over this last month during the series that one of your biggest questions is, is how do I know when it's time to quit? How do I know when it's time to, to, to pack my bags and, and to move on? And I'm going to answer that question this morning as well. But if you're just joining us, we are in the conclusion of a series we've done all month long called How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. There is a fantastic book uh, by Clay Scroggins called How to Lead When You're Not in Charge, and we've kind of adapted it into a sermon series, but it's a very, very helpful uh, book. And so Ashley's been team preaching with me, and hasn't Ashley done a terrific job, you know? This is only her second and third sermon like she's ever done ever. And like she's just doing phenomenal. I'm just so happy. Uh, it's, it's, it's been great to watch her, you know, write and develop and create um, these, these sermons for you guys. But, you know, we've talked about during this series that, number one, you have to lead yourself well. It really does start with you. You can't control anything else but yourself. You've got to choose to lead yourself well. And then I spoke to you about being hopeful, about choosing to be hopeful. And then last week, Ashley talked to you about critical thinking. And so all of that is on our, our podcast, our YouTube, our Facebook, Spotify, all those different places. But I, I want to talk to you about the idea that we just kind of set up about how do you know when it's time to go and, and, and what do you do when you don't care anymore? And the thing is that every single one of us, we get tempted. And the thing that we get tempted with is this word right here, passivity. That's really what that, what that is, is, is. Passivity is the decision that you make to not care anymore. And you just say, you know what, I'm, I'm to my point, I'm just going to choose passivity. I'm going to choose not to care. I'm going to choose to be on autopilot. I'm going to choose to check in, check out, and to do the bare minimum. And, and I'm just going to you know, collect my paycheck and just do my time and, and get out of here. And, and here's the thing. That puts you, I understand that temptation. We all have it, no matter what we do. There's different teams, groups, volunteer opportunities, jobs, where we all get to that point where we just decide, I'm going to choose passivity. I'm going to choose to not care anymore. But you got to understand the dangerous place that that puts you in. That puts you in a very, very dangerous place for yourself. 
Not for anyone else, but, but for you. Because here's the truth and here's the reality that you may, ne- you may have never thought of this. And this is this. You were designed to care. You were designed to care. It is in you. It is innate. It is natural. It is instinctual for you to care. Now, this is the part where you, you, you may not believe me, but track with me. And some of you, you'll be shaking your heads and you're like, absolutely, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. You and I, if we take the, the, the beginning of the Bible seriously, and if we take the words of Jesus seriously, you and I were created in the image of God. Okay? Now, you, again, you may not believe in God or anything. Or you may just be here out of curiosity or somebody drug you. That's totally okay. But, but we believe we were made in the image of God. Now, a lot of people don't understand that. They think image of God, like we look alike. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? When I say we were made in the image of God, I mean like when God created us, he took certain parts of himself, certain attributes, certain characteristics, certain parts of his personality, and he put those in us, when he created us and when he designed us, he put part of himself, what drives him, what, what, what his life points to, he put those things in us. And so here's the thing we, we, we can see just through creation about God is that God cares a whole lot. He really does. I mean, just for a minute, if you, you, before I even break out in any scripture or anything like that, I mean, just look at the world. I mean, if God, when God made the planets and the stars and the ecosystems and all that, I mean, he put a lot of care into this, didn't he? I mean, I'm always amazed. You know, anytime I talk to my atheist friends, I'm always like, dude, look at, look at how the world was made, how the world was designed. I mean, it just it, it's so complicated and things are connected and how this goes into that and how the brain works and cells die and develop and multiply and, and all of these different things and the ecosystem and how our bodies are able to adapt and all this. I mean, dude... How could somebody not be behind all of this? I mean, somebody designed this so well. This is such a complicated system, but somebody was so careful and, and so artistic, but yet also so just, you know, just realistic about how things needed to be. I mean, it's amazing the design of everything and how it all works together. I mean, to me, I look at creation and I go, oh, God cares. God cares a great deal. But also, too, I have the story of Jesus, that that, that God so loved the world that he sent his son to die for us. I mean, you got to understand, God could have just been like, okay, this experiment failed. This whole give him a free will thing, that didn't work out. Maybe I'll start over, uh, wipe the whiteboard down, and maybe, you know, the next thing I create, I'll, I'll make him love me. But that's not what he did, right? He didn't do that. I mean, God cared for us so much that he was like, I'm not going to give up on you. Here is my son to die for you so that we can be made right. Your debts can be finished. This whole temple system of sacrificing things and on the temple and all this. Let's get away from that. And let's just have a relationship with one another. I mean, God cared for you so much that he didn't give up on you. He didn't give up on me. He didn't give up on the human race. He didn't give up on his creation. That's beautiful. That's amazing. I mean, that to me tells me how much God cares. And here's the thing. God is a, is a being that cares so much. And he put that in you and I. He created us 
to care. He created us to, for us to want to do our best. He created us for us to want to have a purpose in this world. To, to take pride in what we do, what we create, and, and, a job, and a job well done. I mean, you and I, we all have that, right? I mean, that's instinctual. That's natural. Whether you're a Christian or not, you all feel that pull to want to do your best, to make things better, to create and to take pride in your work. Yes? We all have that. So here's the thing. When we make that decision, because we have free will, when we, when we make that decision not to care, when you decide not to care, you are rejecting the Spirit of God inside of you. That's why this is dangerous for you. Because when you decide not to care, you basically take that part of your Father in heaven in you and, and you reject it and you go, no. I know I want to care. I know it's instinctual for me to care. But I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say, I don't care anymore. I'm going to make that decision. And here's the thing. When you reject the spirit of God inside of you, when you say no to that, then you are out of the will of God. And that is what we call sin. Now, you've never thought of that before, have you? You just decide, I'm done with this. I don't care. But when you just make the decision that you don't care anymore, you are actually sinning against God, which makes complete sense if you think about it, because how easy is it to sin once you've decided you don't care, right? I mean, how easy is it to sin in your marriage when you decide, I don't care anymore, I'm done with this, and all kinds of things, pornography, I mean, affairs, cheating, emotional affairs, all this stuff, it's so easy to do when what? When you decide you don't care. Because you've put yourself out of line with God's will. And so it's so easy to sin. Same thing with your finances. When you just said, I don't care anymore. It's so easy to mismanage your finances. And when you do it at work, oh boy. When you decide you don't care at work anymore, here it comes. I mean, gossip, slander, cheating, manipulation, lying about being sick. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, all of these different things come out and you've just convinced yourself, bro, I don't care anymore. I don't care. They haven't listened to me. They don't care about me. I don't care. I'll steal company time. I'll manipulate. I'll control. I'll do whatever I need to because I've decided I don't care anymore. See, here's the thing. Not caring is not who you are and it doesn't lead to anything good. Not caring is not who you are. It's not who God designed you to be, not who God created you to be, and it never, ever, ever leads to anything good because it is a sin and it opens you up to all kinds of new sins. It is busting open the door and it is saying game on to anything that may be tempted your way. So, well, what? What do I do, Pastor? I didn't know that this was this serious, you know? Jeez, you know? What do I do? Here's the thing. When you are tempted to not care anymore, here's what you have to practice. You need to practice this. Reject passivity. You have to reject that. It is a temptation, like any temptation. It is a temptation like lust. It is a temptation like anger. And you're going to have to choose to reject it. To reject passivity. Now, that sounds easier said than done, right? I could say, all right, amen, let's get to Applebee's. Riblets are on me, right? I mean, be real easy for me to just throw that your way. But okay, but many of you are going like, man, but what does that like look like? You know, like how do I, how do I realistically reject passivity? What? 
Well, I want to give you a little bit of an idea of what that looks like. You know, the last time I I spoke to you guys, I talked about Paul, the Apostle Paul. He was a Pharisee. He was a bounty hunter of Christians. Then he turned Christian, and he planted churches all over the Mediterranean border, and then he started to write letters to those churches. And so that's what makes up our New Testament. Our New Testament, they're not books that were written. They are a compilation of letters, and a large percentage of those letters past the Gospels are Paul's letters, right? Paul's letters that he wrote with Timothy, to Timothy, and all these different people that he, he, he ministered to and ministered with. And so we have one letter to, it's called Colossians, but it's actually the Church of Colossae, okay? So he writes this letter to the Church of Colossae, and he's writing them, and he's talking about, you know, what God has done in their life. And, and this is what he says. This is beautiful. He says, since then, he's talking about since you've become a Christian or a follower of Jesus, you've been raised with Christ. So... Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I mean, this, is, this is kind of confusing. You're like, okay, I don't understand. Uh, let's put it this way, right? If you go to this next one, go set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. What that last verse actually means is this. Let me, let me translate it for you a little bit. He says this. Set your affections on what is ultimate, not on what is less important. That's what the Greek would translate to. The original type of language that this was written in, this is what he would actually have said. This is what they would have heard. Set your affections on the ultimate, not on the things that don't really matter, not on the things that are less important. They may be important, but they are less important than what is actually important. What is the ultimate? See, here's the thing that we have to understand. When, when, when Paul says this, he says, set your minds on Christ. Set your minds on Jesus. Set your minds on the things that are ultimate. Not the things of this world, but the things that are of heaven, the things that are of eternity, the things that are of above, the most important things. Here's the thing we have to understand. And, and I wrote it down so that you could really wrap your head around it. I'm going to say this statement here. Go ahead and go to that verse. Nothing on this earth was designed to satisfy us and fill us up to capacity except Jesus. Somebody needs to hear this this morning because this is, this is a game changer. Because how many of us are looking for a job? We're looking for a job or we're looking for a group or we're even looking for a church to give us that feeling of wholeness, to give us that feeling of feeling complete, Right? We're looking for that job that, like, you know, tell me that my life has purpose. Tell me that my life is important. Tell me that, that, that my life matters. I'm looking for that job that does that. And many of us, we chase that a lot of our life. A lot of you young people who are in college right now, we've had these conversations, right? You're in college or you're trying to decide what to do with your life or you're even a teenager and you're deciding what am I supposed to do? And you're just so bent up. You're so, you know, you're like, oh, I can't, I can't get this wrong, right? Because this is my life and I have to get this right and this is my life and this is going to be my purpose and this is going to be my whole life is wrapped around and oh, if I get it wrong, then I'm, I'm going to screw up my life, right? And so we put so much emphasis on these jobs and these different things and these careers thinking that this is the thing. And if this thing isn't good, if this thing doesn't give me, uh, you know, fulfillment, if this thing doesn't fill me up to capacity, then, then something's wrong. But here's what you, somebody needs to hear this this morning. No job is ever going to fill you up to capacity. 
No job is ever going to leave you feeling satisfied. Let me tell you something. I'm a pastor. It's a pretty fulfilling job. I do some pretty important things in the world, okay? I'm not satisfied by this job. I think about quitting this job all the time. The longer it goes, the more I think about, I would really like to go back to my dreams of being a chiropractor, okay? <laughs> Darn you, God. Why have you done this to me, right? I mean, I, let me tell you, I don't, I don't get fulfilled by this. No job is ever going to make you fulfilled. No job is ever going to make you feel that way. It may be for a short time, but ultimately it's not. Because you were not designed to be fulfilled by a job. You were designed to be fulfilled by a relationship with your Father in heaven. And it's the same with your relationships. Same thing. You may be going around going, I'm looking for Mr. Right. I'm looking for Mrs. Right. I'm looking for that true love that's going to swoop me up like the notebook, you know. And Ryan Gosling's going to look at me and be like, what do you want, you know. And I'm going to be like, you. And it's going to be beautiful. And we're going to die together at the same time, you know. And I'll just, Let me tell you something. No relationship is ever going to give you that either. Stop putting that stress and that pressure on your spouse. And be like, you're supposed to be my true love. No, they're not supposed to be that thing that fulfills you and leaves you satisfied. No person is, no job is, only him. He made it that way. He designed it that way. He created it to work towards everything pointing to him. So as you're searching for all these different things to feel fulfilled, to feel satisfied, to feel needed, to feel important, to feel good enough, to feel beautiful, you're looking in all the wrong places. Because it's hidden somewhere. And Paul, he nails it in this very next verse. He says this, For you died and your life is now hidden with Jesus. This, this is what you've been looking for. It's not going to be in your job. It's not going to be in your relationships. It's not going to be in your friendships. It's not going to be in your marriages. It's not going to be in any of that stuff. It's hidden. It's hidden in Jesus. See, the thing we have to understand is we, our lives should be pointing to him. It's him we should be looking for. It's him that we should be searching for. Now, I know what many of you are thinking. Many of you are thinking like, okay, all right. I'm tracking with you, all right? Let me see if I understand this right, all right? So my life is hidden in Jesus. He's going to be what leaves me filled, satisfied at peace, joy, all of these different things. Okay, I would love, I love, I love that, Mike. I think that's fantastic. And I would love to just every day be able to go to church and read my Bible and listen to worship songs and, and to serve and to do all these things. But here's the reality. The reality is, is though, this is, I have to earn a paycheck, you know, and I spend 40 to 60 hours a week at this place that I now call hell. And, you know, I can't go to church. I can't even go to church every weekend because I'm working every other weekend. I can't even, you know, I don't, can't find time to pray because these kids and my schedule and this, I can't even find time to do my devotions. I mean, so like, I get what you're saying, but like how, like I can't fit it all in. I mean, I'm trying to just find time to go to the gym. So what in the world am I supposed to do? Well, Paul offers a solution. Paul offers a solution and it actually has to do with your job. See, he starts to break down all of these different people that he's addressing, all these different, you know, conversations that he's having. And he actually addressed slaves, which was so taboo. Paul wasn't for slavery. He stood up for slaves in a lot of different ways, but he actually addresses slaves. And I'm telling you, you think your job is bad. Slavery is pretty bad. Okay. 
There's not a lot of benefits of slavery. I don't know if you knew that. And so he actually, in this letter, in this very same chapter, he addresses slaves. Because the slaves are going, okay, well, what are we supposed to do? Because, like, we're in slavery, and we're supposed to set our hearts on Jesus and look, work, look above and set our hearts on heaven and all stuff. So, like, what in the world are we supposed to do? Because, like, we're in a pretty bad scenario here. And we hate this. And we have to do this every day. So tell us what we're supposed to do. Well... The same answer that was for them is the same answer that that you might be looking for today. Because he he says, slaves, slaves, I hear you. I see you. Let, Let me tell you what you're supposed to do. And he says this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. He basically says to them what we've been saying. Reject passivity. Work at it with all your heart. Give your best effort. Do everything you can. Reject passivity and care as much as you could possibly care. Okay. All right. Tracking with you. And then he says this. Whatever you do, work it out with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So he goes, hey, let me paint your scenario here. I want you to reject passivity. I want you to work at this with all your heart. And here's your motivation. Work as if you're working for God Not for these humans. Take your boss out of the equation. Take your manager out of the equation. Take that stupid guy up there on stage out of the equation. Forget them. Forget the struggles you're having with them. And I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to work as if you're working for God. Now, it seems kind of silly, but I mean, think about it for just a minute. I mean, if God told you to take out the trash, would you take out the trash? Of course you would. You would skip to the trash can if God asked you to, right? I mean, if God asked you to flip burgers at McDonald's, you'd be like, God, these are going to be the best flipped burgers you have ever had, right? I mean, if give us God who asks you, if you, oh my gosh, especially if you have a relationship with God, you'd be like, oh my God, I'll do anything. I'll clean the floors if I need to. Paul goes, okay, so here's your motivation. Take your boss out of the equation. Take the leadership out of the equation. Take the company out of the equation. I want you to work for them as if you're working for the Lord, not for human masters. If we did that, guys, if we did that, if we lived that, oh my goodness, do you know what would happen? I mean... I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I strongly believe this. this And this is just for the followers of Jesus in the room. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this does not apply to you. You do whatever you want. But for the followers of Jesus in the room, I've said this before. Christians should be the hardest workers in the room. Christians should have the best work ethic of anyone on the planet. I mean, when you go in for a job interview and you had a resume, if there was a place on your resume where it said, you know, check your religious association and it was like Christian, they should get your job interview and then be like, okay, all right, see, you've had a little bit of experience. And they go, oh, you're a Christian? We got one, Phil. We got one of the, we got one of the Christians. Oh my gosh, you're hired. Well, I have no experience. I don't care. I don't care. You're a Christian. You're hired. Why? Because, because when they see that, they should go, oh, you're a Christian. Well, that means you know how to show patience and grace and empathy and love. And you're not going to be a pot stirrer, And you're not going to be a gossiper. And you're not going to lie. And you're not going to steal from the company. You're not going to steal company time. You're not going to lie about being sick. And you're going to have just the best work ethic. Because we've heard of you. We know what you Christians believe. We, you believe that when you do a job, you're not doing it for us. You're not doing it for a paycheck. You're, you're doing it for the Lord. That's, that's, your, that's the whole point of your whole thing, right? Is that you're here to love God and love people and honor Him and everything that you do. Well, my goodness. I mean, you, you're 
going to be a great employee then. We are so excited to have you because we know that that word Christian, it has a weight to it. It means something. And we know that that means you live your life a certain way that none of us can understand. None of us would want to because it's just so self-giving and it's so sacrificial. But we are really excited to have you. Welcome to Old Navy. Uh, you know? <laughs> right? That's what should happen. But it's not. Right? I mean, honestly, when they hear you're a Christian, they're like, oh, here comes judgmental Karen. Okay, great. Right? It's not. It's not what happens, but it should. Being a follower of Jesus, being a Christian, it should mean something. It should have weight to it. Because if we took the words of Paul, the words of Jesus seriously, we would. We would work at it with all of our heart. We would work as if we're working for the Lord. But we don't. See, here's the thing. If, if, if this were true, if we, if we set our affection on the ultimate, which is to honor God, then we would work at everything with all our heart. That's who we should be. That's who we were created to be. Now, you may listen to that and go, yeah, okay, but what's in it for me? <laughs> you know, what's in it for me then? And, and Paul says this next. He says, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Paul goes, and let me tell you something. When you work for the Lord, when you work as if you are honoring God, then God, nothing goes unnoticed by God. Nothing goes unnoticed by Him. And when you live your life that way, see, here's what we have to understand. Work, our work relationships, our jobs, they are an act of worship. Worship is not what we just did here. This is worship, but this is not the worship. Singing three songs is not worship. Worship is how you use your life to honor and glorify God. So here's the thing. When you go into your job, when you go into your workplaces, and you work as if you're working for the Lord, guess what? That becomes a form of worship. That becomes a form of worship to God. When you do a job well done, when you work at it with all your heart, you are worshiping God. You are honoring God. You are giving God the glory. And God looks at you and goes, I am so glad. And God goes, and I will, trust me, I don't know what they see or what they will do, but I, they will never go unnoticed. Paul goes, God will always see that. And great is your reward in heaven. Great is the inheritance that you will get because you're serving the Lord. Now, here's what I believe, and this is the only part of the sermon you can disagree with me on, okay? Because some of you will disagree with me on this, right? You'll DM me, you'll text me, you'll email me, you'll say, I didn't like that one point you said, okay? I don't care, all right? Uh, but this is the one thing you could totally disagree with me about, okay? I truly, I truly believe that Christians, if you're, if, you, if you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, and you live this out, you will always be liked at your job. You will always have a job. You will have some job security because you're going to be the hardest worker in the room. However, this is what I believe in. You may not agree with me and it's not in every scenario, but it's in most scenarios. But Christians will not be the people who will be promoted. Christians are not going to be the people who are promoted. You're not. And many of you Christians, like you've had this conversation with me, man, I do work for the Lord. Like every day I work for the Lord hard. Like I'm working for the Lord like 60 hours a week right now, pastor. And I'm not seeing anything happen. I mean, I was up for this promotion and I got passed up by somebody else. Here's the thing. Christians, you will not be the people who will be promoted. If the owner is Christian, maybe, but most likely nine times out of 10, Christians are not going to be the people who are promoted and moved up the ladder. 
You want to know why? Here's why. Because to move up the ladder, you have to play the game that we don't play. That's just the truth of it, guys. Just my opinion, just from my experience, but this is what I know. I know the business world very well, and I know to move up in the business world, you got to be a shark. you got to be willing to stab people in the back. You got to play around the water hole and you got to gossip and you got to talk and you got a brown nose and you got to play the game. And as a Christian, if we live out what we believe, we don't play that game. We don't manipulate. We don't lie. We don't gossip. We don't slander. We don't take advantage of people. We don't brown nose. That's not who we are. So here's the thing. Bad news, good news scenario. We're not going to be promoted that often. You're just not going to be. You're probably in a lot of times going to be taken advantage of. That's just the truth of the matter. Because you're such a good worker. Because you're so peaceful. Because you're such a person of grace. And because you're going to be a little bit of a yes man. Because you're working for the Lord. That is just the reality of it. And I've seen it so many times. And again, you can disagree with me. And that's fine. That may not be your experience. But for some of you in the room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And for some of you in the room, it frustrates you. It frustrates you a lot. Because you work your tail off, and you have been passed up for that promotion. And that's why. It's because you're not a shark. It's because you don't play that game. You're playing the Lord's game. You're not playing that game. So that's really hard. But here's the thing that Paul says. Let me tell you something. If you work for the Lord, God, it will not go unnoticed. Great is your inheritance in heaven. Now look, I don't know what that always looks like, okay? I am not... Joel Olstein, and I'm not going to stand up here and say like, and if you honor the Lord, tomorrow you'll find 20 bucks under your chair, okay? I just, that's, that's not what I'm saying. But I know that God has always taken care of me, not financially, but in all kinds of different ways. I know God's always blessed my life. I know God has always made sure I haven't gone without or have lacked. And when I've had problems, God has come through for me. Not in a materialistic way, but in all kinds of other different ways. What Paul says is, look, Here's your options. You can, either, you can either accept passivity and you can go into this spiral of opening the door to all this sin in your life. And I'm telling you, it's not going to go anywhere that's ever good. Or you can choose to reject passivity, work at, work at everything with all of your heart as if you're working for the Lord. And I'm letting you know that it will not go unnoticed by God. And God will bless you, and God will take care of you, and God will have your back either in this life or in the life after. That's what Paul says. So here's the thing. You have an option in front of you. You have to choose. You have free will. This is totally your call. You can either accept passivity and decide, I don't care anymore, and see where that goes. And many of you, you've tried that, and you know all it leads to is you going to another place to work and starting the cycle over again. Or you can choose to reject passivity, work at it with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord, and trust and believe that God sees you and he has you. Choice is yours. Now, that's like part one of the sermon, okay? So close the book on that, and I promise you I'm not going to preach as long as I just did part one. But I have to answer this question because many of you, you've had this question for me. How do I know when it's time to leave? But how do I know? Here's my answer to that question. Be the hardest worker in the room, but don't be in an abusive relationship. Think about that. Be the hardest worker in the room, but don't be in an abusive relationship. Here's the thing. 
go back to the scripture verse that we just shared with Paul. Paul says, set your minds on the ultimate. Set your affections on the ultimate. Well, the ultimate is to honor God. But, but here's the thing. God, God has asked you to honor him with your work, but he has also asked you to honor him with your relationships, with your body, with your finances, with your church. And you and I both know your boss thinks that your job is the most important thing in the world. <laughs> your boss thinks that your job and what you do is the ultimate in the world, but it's not. We should set our affections on the ultimate. And here's the thing. That ultimate is to honor God. And God has asked us to honor him, not with just our job, but our relationships, our finances, our bodies, and our church. So here's the thing. When those things get out of whack, it is time to recalibrate. If your job, if you're doing such, so much work, honoring God with your job, you know, and, and you're working for the Lord really, really hard, like, you know, 60, 70 hours a week, I'm going to bed, uh, I'm waking up in the morning, I'm working when it's dark, and I'm getting off the clock when it's dark as well, okay? Then it's, it's time to recalibrate. If you look at your life and you're going, man, I'm honoring God with my job really well, but I'm not honoring my marriage, but I'm not honoring my church. I can't even serve anymore. I'm so busy. And I'm so exhausted. And I'm doing so much over here. I can't honor God with my finances. I don't even have time. I don't have time to go work out. I don't have time to be healthy. I don't have time to balance all this. If these things are out of balance, then it's time. It's time to start thinking. Then yes, absolutely. It may, it may be time to quit. It may be time to move on. Because these things all have to be in balance, folks. You can't have a job that sucks the life out of everything else that God has asked you to honor and to take care of, especially your family. Because you're on the list of priorities, your family is up there. And your mental health and your physical health is right after that, before your job. So it may be time. And look, you, you're all intelligent people. You've got to have some intelligence to this, okay? You know what it looks like. If you're working and you're taking phone calls and doing Zooms to all hours of the night, it's time to have a conversation. If you're upset because they didn't give you Martin Luther King Jr. day off, suck it up, okay? Like, come on. I'm sorry you had to work on your birthday, but... All right? Come on. You know what I'm saying? It takes some, emo it takes some intelligence, which you're all intelligent. You all know... What it looks like. You all know when it times. But here's the thing. When it does come time, okay? When it comes time and you got to know, here's the thing I want to tell you. Always have a conversation. Always, 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 always have a conversation. I'm a leader. I have people quit on me all the time. Most of the things they're concerned about or that are boiling up in their brain, we could have a conversation about and fix. Nine times out of ten, I get a text or an email. Hey, I burn out. I can't do this. I'm out. I quit. Most of it is in the middle of emotions, and they don't even wait 24 hours to let the temp go down and to think about what you're actually doing. And quite honestly, when you do that, when something triggers you and you quit within 24 hours, you're not quitting for the right reasons. You're quitting to get back at that person who hurt you. And that's the truth. And that's sinful too. We don't do that. We have a conversation. You got to go to your boss and you got to have an honor, honest conversation. You got to go to your boss and say, look, this ain't working. This is tearing me up. This is hurting my family. This is destroying my body. I can't work like this. I don't know what's going on. We are miscommunicating. I am frustrated. You got to have a conversation. You got to put your big boy pants on.
Because it's a hard thing to do. It takes a lot of courage. But not through email, not through text. I'm talking face-to-face or at minimum over the phone. you got to have a conversation. But let me give you one more piece of advice. Because I've been there before. Okay? When I was in Nebraska as a youth pastor, it's my first assignment out of college. I knew I was done. It was time to go. I felt everything within me. God was telling me, it's time to go. And so I started looking. And I started going. And every place I interviewed gave me the green light. We would love to have you. I remember I went to Bartlesville, Oklahoma. My buddy Jeff, who played keys, it was his dad. I knew the guy. He said, we'd love to have you. And we were in Bartlesville. I called my dad. And I was kind of excited because I'm like, yes, I found a way out. Right? But I called my dad. And I'll never forget the words that my dad gave me. My dad told me this. He said, son... Don't look for an exit door. Look for a new door. Remember that when you know that it's time to look, when it's time to search, the temptation will be to just find an exit door and to run through it. Reject that temptation. Don't just look for a way out. Look for a new opportunity. Does that make sense? If all of you do is look for a way out, you will find yourself in the same situation again. Don't just look for a way out. Look for a new door. This is my prayer for you. My prayer for you is that you would lead yourself well. My prayer for you is that you would take everything that we've taught you during this series and that you would put it to work in your life. You have a choice. Just like Ashley said week one, you have to lead yourself well. You have to think critically. You have to choose to be hopeful. You have to choose to reject passivity. The choice is up to you. But you have to be careful because in the middle of these seasons, in the middle of these frustrations, there's so much temptation around you that will never lead you to where you actually want to be. It, many times it will lead you to places you don't want to go. And many times you will find yourself right where you were again. It's, been like, it's like going around and in one of those circles. You don't want to do that. So reject passivity. Lead yourself well. Point yourself to the ultimate. Set your affections on the ultimate. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And I don't know, man. I... I, I just, I got a feeling this morning, okay? I got a feeling this morning because I've DM'd and messaged with many of you that many of you are in this place where you are very frustrated with your job. You are very frustrated. You are hurt. You're in pain. You're struggling. And you're like, dude, I need something, man. But I mean, like, I got to have a job and I got to have this and I don't, I'm tired of putting my family through this and I'm tired of frustrating my spouse with this and my family needs me and my, my body and my mind, they're just not right and all this stuff. And you're at that place, man, where you're, you're really struggling with this and you're struggling with your job, aren't you? It's your job and you don't know what to do. There are no easy answers right now. You are, you are searching for something and you need something right now. I love this song we're about to sing because it's called We Need a Move. But more than it is a a call to God, I need something. I need a move in my life. It's also a prayer of believing that God can move things. That God can move mountains. That God can still do miracles. That God sees me, knows what I need, and he's going to help me. And I feel like I feel like there's some people in the room this morning that really need that. 
that really need to say, God, all right, I know that you got me, right? And so here's what I want to do. I want you to stand with me this morning. And we don't do this a whole lot. We don't do this very often. I just think it's appropriate for closing this series. I feel like there's somebody in this room who wants to come down here to the altar and like physically get on their knees and say, God, I need a move. Like I'm, I'm begging you, God. Like I'm really saying, God, like I need, I need you right now. I need a move. I need you to move in my life. And so I want to give you that opportunity. And I know it's scary because it's like, oh, things are up here and stuff. But I want to invite you to slip out of your chair and to come up. And and I want to pray for you. I want to physically, like, come over here, lay my hand on your shoulder. Tell you it's going to be okay. That God's got you. That God loves you. God sees you. God knows. You don't even need to say anything. I'm not even going to ask you, what's up? I'm not going to do that. Because God knows and that's all that matters. I just think somebody this morning just needs a hand on their shoulder, needs to bow their head and say, God, I need a move, man. I need you to do something. I've been there, man. I've been there. And let me tell you something. When I said no to Bartlesville, the next invitation I got was to come here. I am so glad... I listened to my dad and I said no to that exit door because right after that, God knew he could trust me with great things and he invited me to come here. God has something for you. God need, God, God sees you. And so this morning as we sing, I just want to invite you to come up here if you want to come pray at the altar. Come lay this down, man. Lay it down for God. And just let me pray for you real quick. So let's worship this morning.